there will be no real non-controlled currency in the world. Increasing the block size to 32 megabytes right now. What would be the top five arguments that would get um, hurled against me? That's a good one. There, there are a few that the big blockers uh, got, got right. Ching, like all these coins splash into the wallets of all the winners. I love that. There's a new threat out there. It's crypto. Hello and welcome back the Bitcoin Cash podcast following Bitcoin Cash on its rise to global reserve currency. This is episode number 105, BCH Bliss and Scaling BCH Apps featuring Jonathan Silverblood. Today is Saturday, the 20th of January, 2024. I'm your host, Jeremy Jett is doing the producing. Hopefully you can't hear the car alarm that's going off. You can? <laughs> okay. All right. Well, hopefully that stops soon. Nothing I can really do about that. Oh, there we go. Brilliant. Uh, and today's guest is a VCH developer, the uh, co-founder, I believe, one of the co-founders of General Protocols and also the progenitor of the Bliss event, which we are hyping up today. Jonathan, welcome to the show. You've been on before, but just for people who missed that episode, give a brief rundown of your involvement in Bitcoin Cash. All right. So hi, everyone. I'm uh, Jonathan Silverblad. Uh, I've been in Bitcoin Cash almost for as long as Bitcoin Cash has existed. In fact, I joined the ecosystem back in like 2013. I've held meetups. I've been uh, solo mining. Uh, I've been onboarding merchants. And for the last four, five something years, I've been working on building apps in the Bitcoin Cash uh, ecosystem. Yeah, awesome. And obviously, let's start with the price. Like, we always do today. The Bitcoin cash price is $236.34 USD, down uh, just a little bit. One BTC buys 175.4 BCH, so we're down slightly on the ratio there. And one ETH uh, buys 10.4 BCH, so also down slightly on the ratio there. But this is great news because that actually means there are cheaper Bliss tickets because we set the price for the tickets, fixed it in BCH, and then we had that huge run up. And so it became more expensive to uh, failing fiat holders, but it was, of course, stable to all the BCH hodlers out there. But now that the price has dipped off, people have even less excuse to not get involved. So Jonathan, how are you seeing the market at the moment? Are we coming into a bull run or what's going on? Oh, yeah, I, I think we're coming in for a bull run or already kind of in one. I think it's going to last for like a, a year or so longer, but that doesn't really matter much uh, because any, any expenses or whatnot I have is paid from money that is coming from BCH or yeah, I, I get paid in BCH for the work I do. So I don't really expose my money to volatility for that kind of length of time. You know, get the payment, pay your rent, and then the money's gone out. Don't really have that problem <laughs> yeah. anymore. Uh, then uh, also, like, uh, 
whenever there is any significant risk, like, like if there's money I can't afford to lose, I just go on BCH Bull and I get paid to hedge them there. So that's fine. Yes, yes. I think it's funny that volatility is one of the most overblown complaints that anybody has because the more involved you are with bch the less it's a problem right like the the less involved you are the more it's something you whinge and moan about but once you're just involved like yeah you just i don't know it all works out right <laughs> yeah and uh yeah so the, the bliss tickets might be cheap right now if you're looking from a fiat perspective but anyone who want to come most likely already have some BCH. So even if the price would like double from now on, they would have twice as much money to spend on buying bliss tickets. So I'm pretty sure that the uh, the price of the bliss ticket doesn't matter that much in uh, practical terms. It might have some psychological effects. And so if you're one of the people who's uh, scared of price moving in bad ways, then FOMO in and get your bliss ticket now. Yeah, absolutely. We have a raid in the chat from... B Chad, Bitcoin Cash TV, good to see you. Bitcoin Jason, good to see you. G'day, mate. And 777 Clash Royale 777 asks, don't you think it's possible that some Bitcoin miners attack Bitcoin Cash if Bitcoin Cash gains price or popularity? BTC miners have more hash rate than Bitcoin Cash. And the answer is no, no I'm not no. really worried about that because if no, our that, price is, is going the up, then it's going to follow the incentive. And the incentive says that if price goes up, so it becomes more of a threat, then it's even more lucrative to mine Bitcoin Cash for you know non-nefarious purposes than it already was. And so they're going to mine for the good reasons anyway. Exactly, exactly. Bitcoin miners love it when the Bitcoin Cash price uh, goes up and the more it goes up the more they get involved in the community and that's yeah, all there I mean, is really to it worst outcome that can possibly happen for a SHA-256 miner well that's for there to only be a single chain which value can potentially go down in the future if you have only a single chain and no backups and the price goes down for any reason you're screwed right but if you have multiple chains and price fluctuates a little here and that, you just go to some other chain and, you know, your investment into hardware is going to pay out. It's much, much worse to have only a single chain and the risk that comes with that. Jehun P. Melcher says, good evening from the Philippines. Good evening to you too. And uh, yeah, right. So let's talk about Bliss. So we mentioned it a little bit on the last episode, but it's now live. It's now out there. It was your brainchild. So maybe give us the intro story of how you came up with this event and what's the what's the goal? Sure, sure. So a long, long time ago, I went down to the Bitcoin Cash City and went for the Bitcoin Cash City conference. And I had a great time. It was an absolutely awesome time. I also went to the St. Kitts conference a couple of years ago. And that was also pretty good. Now... I was wondering, like, when's the next thing going to happen? I was uh, itching to to go to somewhere and meet up with all the great people. And then I noticed that Tobias Rust from eCash uh, was holding a conference. And he had a website where you get to buy your ticket. The ticket was priced, I think it was $50. And you paid it directly to him personally through some third-party mediator, and you couldn't pay with eCash. And... I kind of shuckled for myself and like, yeah, all right. So that's not very serious. And then they actually had the conference and some people actually showed up. I think it was like 15 people or something like that. And it might not have been like the roaring success that you could could potentially hope for. 
But looking at it, that's 15 people more than I have, right? They had a conference, I didn't. And so that kind of made me wonder, like, okay, so we don't have a conference, so I want someone to do it. And if no one else is going to do it, I'm going to have to be that someone, right? And so I started reaching out to people, checking, like, who wants to come? What do you want to do? What's what's interesting? And why would why would people come? How can I get people to come? And it led down to a, a lot of like differences of opinion of what people actually want. But most importantly, uh, I landed on that we should be doing something in Europe. We have already had conferences down in Australia. We had conference close to the Americas down in St. Kitts. But the people who live in Europe hasn't had anything that's close to them. And there's quite a lot of developers in the European space. So, yeah, we, we decided to settle for the city of Jubiljana because that's the hometown of Go Crypto, and they have a lot of merchant adoption. That way we can make sure that everyone can come paying in BCH. Yeah, absolutely. And then I got involved. At what point did I get involved? I'm just trying to think now the exact sequence of events. I don't know whether right. I saw you talking about it. And I think I sent you a message yeah. saying like, look, let's let's make this good. Like, let's I want to get involved. This sounds awesome. Right. So early on, uh, I spent maybe two months or so just talking with random people and aiming kind of for like a 20 to 30 man event, mostly builders, maybe a hackathon, maybe just a meetup, maybe some kind of mini conference or, or whatnot. Uh, and then uh, you and Ryan uh, dragged me onto a call and we, we talked a bit about what it could be. And I, I kind of laid it out, right? I I wouldn't be opposed to a big scale, real thing conference, but I, I'm not an uh, event organizer. You know, I have formal, no formal training, no previous experience, no nothing. And so I said like, yeah, I can, I, I can try to do that, but I'm going to need help if we're going to do that. And yeah, the, the rest is kind of history because now we have a 100-man event and uh, we have the hotel booked, we have the venue booked, we have a lot of speakers planned, we have a schedule, we have a merch, we have a ton of things that comes with that scale of event. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's looking really good. Yeah, so we have the announcement video. Uh, Jet, maybe let's just... Line that up and play it. I want to get that in the historical record. Too. Like, I think some kind of, you know, extension block, block size increase. Like, my custody is just inevitable with the Lightning Network. And the Bitcoin Cash Pros, to be fair, I've been saying this ever since the beginning when this project came out. They, they called us way ahead of time. Yeah, which, uh, which arguments were, were presented by each side and like uh, uh, hindsight bias. Like, there, there are a few that the big blockers uh, uh, got, got right.
For the audio listeners, obviously you have the amazing music there by Elenium. Shout out to Elenium, absolutely great electronic music artist. And then it just has some screenshots of these various Twitter debates with basically people hating on BCH from the BDC community. And then, of course, you know, times are changing and people are coming in and starting to realize we were right the whole time, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and then at the end, you have the one of the Jessica NFTs uh, that we're using for the tickets for the event to sort of add some mystery and some hype and the logo at the end there, right? So I made this because I thought we did need something to hype it up a little bit. And I really felt like this is the turning point, you know, one of many, I guess, but in sort of the BCH history is that we're now being sort of broadly vindicated across the scene, but just people realizing we were right isn't isn't enough. You know, we kind of need to defy the haters with more proof of work in terms of running some bigger events and having, you know, more announcements and so forth. So to me, that's partly what this event is about. And I, like you were saying, we sort of considered, well, maybe we do a 30-person event or maybe we do 50-person event. But we ended up kind of with a go big or go home kind of mentality uh, shooting for 100 because I felt like there would be enough enthusiasm and excitement in the community and loads of people that wanted to be involved. As soon as we were just discussing it, even just amongst ourselves, there was already chatter happening in the community, right, of people saying, like, oh, what's this event? I want to come. Like, can I get a ticket, et cetera? So uh, I'm really hoping that we can sell out uh, all, all the tickets. So the tickets are on TapSwap at tapswap.cash. And right now there is 47 uh, tickets available to the public in uh, from anywhere from 0 0.75 BCH up to 0 0.83 or 0 0.84. It seems like some of them uh, BCH. So if you go on there, you can grab one of those NFTs, which will be your ticket to the event. So we're doing it properly cypherpunk style. There's no registration or, you know, privacy uh destroying aspects to this or anything whoever you are if you have one of those nfts you can come along and get into the event uh so obviously the earlier you grab one as well too you can choose one that you like instead of uh just whichever ones are kind of left over but they all look pretty cool i really enjoyed making these nfts and i think they have a really cool vibe i think it's quite a unique little nft series especially since i'm absolutely not an artist but just goes to show the magic of ai <laughs> now now anyone can be a top tier artist so i think that's pretty cool but talk to me a bit about this uh nft sales part to it jonathan so you actually minted the nfts and, and so forth what was the genesis of this and uh how have you found the experience so far um well, so so Cash Token as a platform is is not new, new, but it's not old and mature. And so uh, when I when I looked around, there wasn't a single tool that could do all the parts that I wanted to do. Uh, there was like on the uh, the Cash Ninja side, they had released their tooling. So if I wanted to do something that was like theirs, like automated generation of art and documentation for them. Uh, then I could run their tooling. Uh, if I wanted to uh, make like um, just a, a bunch of fungible fungible tokens, there, there are other places I could do that. Uh, I ended up 
going to um, Paytaka's Cash Token Studio. And with about an hour of fiddling around, I had made a couple tokens and tested them and sent them through my wallets and things were kind of working, but there were no metadata or information on them. And so I, I reached out and talked to some people like, what, what, what is the right tool for the next part of the job? Like, how do I get my unique images and whatnot up there? And um, it turns out that there are some, some, some tools you can use to just fill in the data, just to type in all the fields, and then you press a button and you get a, a file that contains the metadata that you then go back to Paytaka Studio, you upload that file, and, and things kind of work from there. So it was uh, all, all in all, like making the, the 100 tickets, um, it, it took a while because the Pitaka Studio doesn't allow you to mint 100 NFTs in one click. You have to mint them one on one. So actually me and my daughter sat next to each other. So she had a phone and she pressed yes, 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 <laughs> yes, over and over uh, while I typed in and clicked the buttons on the, the computer. Uh, but yeah, in, in less than a day's work, uh, we minted 100 tickets. Uh, the artwork was already made prior by, uh, by Jeremy here. So just upload that artwork to, to some suitable location. Um, later on, uh, I found out that not all wallets uh, automatically grab this metadata the way we had published it and can automatically just use the images. And so it turns out that some of them really want the, uh, the files to be put on uh, IPFS for long-term storage that isn't connected to our specific event or whatnot. And so... I had to go figure out how to use NFT-specific IPFS storage tooling to kind of upload a package of 100 images there. Uh, and then once that was done, I had to republish the metadata. And then it was done. Uh, but all in all, still in a single day. So it's uh, pretty easy if you want to make tokens. Uh, cash tokens works just fine for now. It's a little bit fiddly to, to get started. But yeah, it's, gonna, it's just going to get better from here. Yeah, exactly. It's like this car alum, this guy's car has been stolen like five times, but it's still there apparently. <laughs> anyway, uh, with the NFTs, yeah, I think uh, it's really important to understand like, well, we managed to get this off the ground, but for the next time, it'll just get easier and easier, right? So like by this time next year, it'll be completely different. And when you say it's the same in terms of the integrations sort of in the wallets, in tap swap. Uh, like those things are still a little bit uh, fiddly. I'm planning to make a video that gives a breakdown that we can put on the website that shows for people who are not exactly sure how to buy one of these NFTs. Um, that is honestly a bit of a barrier to entry, but I feel like it adds a lot of flavor to the event. And hopefully it really gets people the spirit of like, we're actually doing this. We're actually using Bitcoin Cash, not only for the payments, obviously, but also for the, the tickets and really in the in the crypto philosophy. Yeah, let, let me let me talk a bit about that, because at, at the start, I was vehemently against uh, kind of even having tickets to begin with. I kind of wanted it to be a ticket-free event and not have a bunch of payments and whatnot in between. But as we scaled up and it became more of a for-the-public thing and less for select individuals, but we were going to need some way to make sure that you know random people off the street don't like walk in and take some merch and walk out and whatnot or come have dinner with us when they have no idea who they are. And so ticket became a necessity. And looking at the various ways we could do ticket, it's kind of like it's immediately obvious that hey, we're we're in the Bitcoin Cash ecosystem. 
and we have these cash tokens and tickets are like utility NFTs that there for a reason. And yeah, so we decided to make these, but that's actually not the, the be all end all of it, right? These tickets are going to do more things than just serve as proof of payment, because if we want the proof of payment, you could have just shown a receipt. So no, we're going to do a little bit more. I'm not going to go into too much detail on it, but I am working on some um, like integrations and cooperations with other actors in the space. Uh, and there's also going to be some surprises for you that might relate to your tickets uh, when you come to the actual conference. So yeah, when, when you do pick your tickets, feel free to take time to pick one you really like. <laughs> also, go buy one now before the one you really like is no longer for sale. Yes, exactly. Papswap.cash, get on that. And that's something I think that is really uh, kind of a cool idea because if you think back in the history of Bitcoin, right, when Bitcoin was started and the first people started mining and so forth, there's a lot made about this whole immaculate conception, you know, so said, but really just a sort of fair distribution, right, to the world that anyone in the world who heard about it could have been involved. All you needed was a computer, you know, that kind of thing. And there's been a lot of progression in the cryptocurrency industry in general about different ways to distribute tokens and do things and so forth. And so now that we have this cash token system in BCH, I'm really looking forward to the fact that not only can we do some cool things around the NFTs for this event, but from that point on, it's sort of in the same way that, um, what do they call Yuga Labs with the Bored Apes? Like periodically they say, okay, whoever's got an NFT gets some benefit or it can be even an ongoing thing uh, where it's like you had to be involved either early and get get there and come and be part of the event like it's like a proof of work to be in that little club or then after it's over like of course people can sell or trade them or they can do make any other deals maybe there'll be some other contract tracks you can lock your jessicas in i don't know uh but we'll see how that evolves and over time it will you know if we keep delivering value for the nfts then uh it would just be like the people who chose to get involved get more and more benefit out of being in that club and i hope that that really helps to set a standard for for nft like collections on on bch in the same way that cash ninjas and bch gurus like if you've got those, uh, if you're part of those projects, they've been doing incredible work to keep benefiting yeah. the holders of the tokens, right? Let, let's not oversell it, though. We don't want people grabbing no, the, no, no. the tickets <laughs> and then not coming to the conference. Uh, the, the the value outside of the conference is going to be there, but it's not going to be, you know, extremely high. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, all right. No, buy the ticket to come to the conference. <laughs> okay, <laughs> let's be let's be clear about that. But come to the conference. It's gonna be it's gonna be awesome. So speaking of that, do you want to give a bit of a rundown of who so far is going to be speaking and what kind of stuff we're going to do at the at the event? Right. Yeah. Sure. Um. Actually, so we haven't decided on all the speakers yet. We're still um like looking out and doing outreach to to get more people in here. Uh, but I, I can say a few of the names if we want to. That's fine. Um, like We know for certain that Matthew is going to be speaking and he's going to do his uh, after one year cover for, for the cash token uh, ecosystem. 
it's a it's a perfect opportunity to do a one year after because you know we're literally going from May upgrade to May upgrade for the cash token. So it's exactly one year when he when he presents it. Um, we're gonna have some talks relating to smart contracts and the uh, the other uh, upgrades related to the, the engine. Ah, I forgot the name. Of it. The, the the virtual machine under Bitcoin Cash. Uh, for example, John Neary is going to be here and talk about like how do you deal with security when it comes to these smart contracts. Um, we have a bunch of different wallet developers and some node developers who are maybe speaking. Um, yeah, uh, we have Digger from uh, from the Shadow Wizard Monogangs and the Cauldron Quest. Uh, it's going to be there and talk about their projects. Um, but that's that speakers and potential speakers. So if if none of those speakers are like super interesting to you, and you think like a single presentation can't really deliver everything I want to know anyway, uh, then you might still want to come to the conference because there's going to be a multi-hour-long section, uh, which we consider which is called the open floor where people who have projects in the space are going to be available to demonstrate, showcase, and go to depth and talk about their project. So if you have questions, for example, like how does cash account or cash ID or cash intents work, or maybe the Electrum cash libraries or BCH Bull or any hedge, then you know I will be there and you can talk to me. I happen to be kind of an expert on those things since I... I was there and built them. Uh, but there's also going to be people from uh, Paytaka, uh, Tapswap, uh, Help Me, Celine, Cash and Ice, Cauldron Quest. Um, there's going to be people from various wallets, going to be people from a lot of different projects in the space. You can, you can see some of the projects listed at the top of uh, the Bliss website, for example. Yeah, and I want to add on to that and just say that people don't, or shouldn't need to feel intimidated about it either too. Like one of the things when we had the same kids conference is it's really nice when you end up with a bit of a mix, right? Obviously people who are very hardcore about BCH are going to be there. Some of the people who are deeply involved in all the projects and so forth. But even if you don't know who all those people are, or you're not like the most down the whole rabbit hole of Bitcoin cash, definitely still come along and check it out. We had a number of people at the St. Kids conference who came either because they knew somebody who was there or even they were just curious. They'd heard about cryptocurrency or they were in some other ecosystem and they thought, let me see what's going on in Bitcoin Cash. And all those people had a great time. Like they probably, of everyone, yeah. they might've even had the best time. Like they came yeah. along and everything to them was new and different. And they got to meet all these super passionate people. And of those people who came, I just, I got the highest feedback, you know, from, from them as I was talking. Yeah. They were like, wow, this is the best. So I highly recommend if you've never been to a crypto event, this would be a great one let, to start with. Let, let me say it like this. Um, we're keeping up the tradition of making sure that BCH conferences are places where you can actually use BCH. So if you come to the Bliss conference, you can pay for the flights. You can pay for the hotel. You can pay for transportation. You can pay for food. You can pay for groceries. You can pay for uh, entertainment. You can pay for practically anything you might want to do for that four-day or whatever 
time you're you're there in Jabalgana, Slovenia, and you don't you don't need your fiat, you don't need your credit card to to pay for anything. You get to experience what it means to actually be able to use Bitcoin Cash as money. So that is one kind of important thing. Like if you live in a place, one I, I suspect most people actually do, and sadly even I live in a place where you can't easily pay with Bitcoin Cash. And so when I've been to the conference, like every single time I go home after a conference, it's like, I don't want to. I want to stay here. This is the place I want to be at. And so, yeah, being able to pay in BCH, experience BCH as money, is going to be great. Now, yeah. the, the other side of this, for, for people who aren't like super technical here, is that, yes, there's going to be some very high caliber people here. There's going to be people who knows a lot on the technical level, but they're going to be here because they want to celebrate the upgrade together. They want to be here and meet up. They want to be social and they want to have fun. Right? Most of these people already know like most of what is going to be said on the conference because they talk outside of this. But being able to meet up, being able to dig in the, the depth of things and being able to kind of share your story and, and you know, just spend time together, uh, that's the real value of the conference. Well, I mean, everybody can have their own sort of real value such as it, as it is. But yeah, you're right. That's another huge element to it that if you're also involved in the community or even if you're not coming along and just meeting people face to face, it makes it so much more real, right? Uh, you might have like uh, I always think like David Shattuck. Shout out to him when when he came on the show and uh, but before before he came on the show, actually uh, we were on this a Discord call where he was showing me the fifth of gaming beta and he was like, "Wow, this is kind of crazy." I've listened to how many you know hours of fifty episodes of the podcast and then uh, talking to me, it was like, "Wow, Jeremy's just a guy," you know. <laughs> and so yeah. it's that you can get that same vibe for all these amazing people that you see, like building stuff and launching projects, and you know, you just have a laugh. They tell you about something that's completely unrelated to BCH. You find out they're into windsurfing or whatever, <laughs> and it's just it's it's so cool and it's so much fun, right? So. Actually, yeah, Jed, do you, do you have any uh, sales pitch on that regard? Like, I know you had a great time in, in St. Kitts, right? Yeah. What do you mean sales pitch? Well, I'm just saying, we're just trying to chill and hype up the event. Like, I just thought maybe you could uh, speak to that. I can see you laughing and nodding along here as I'm <laughs> saying all this, right? So, so first off, my laugh, like, the thing that really got me was just... <laughs> this is so stupid okay so there is a very small pause after you know we live in a place and i was thinking of we live in a society we live in a society yeah. it's broken down even further uh so so i think the the big pull for me is being able to have the opportunity to go and live off of bitcoin cash i think that's like been a goal of mine um but also this is like kind of one of the few areas in my life where I can go and socialize with people who I'm not like, it's not, there won't be a glazed over look in their eyes. Like we'll, we'll all have the same, well, not all the same interests, but we'll all be on the same page when it comes to why we're there and what we're interested in. Um, and that alone is kind of a unique experience. 
uh, I'm hoping that I can like really get out there and, and socialize and kind of make an event out of it. Like I, I think I want to do a little bit of a trip, uh, maybe a, a stop in for, in London for a couple of days first. And then, uh, I was thinking about, thinking about going to Italy for a couple of days just to see what's up and then go to Slovenia. Uh, yeah, sounds good to me. Europe trip. Yeah. There you go. If you're not, if you're not from uh, Europe, if you're not local to the area, you can make the whole thing worth it a bit more. You know, you can get a bonus out of it by just scheduling in a bit of a European holiday. Once you're already in the Schengen zone, it's really easy to just fly around and really cheap too. I think a lot of Americans are regularly mind blown when they find out actually how cheap and easy it is to just travel around in the EU because they think of it as this big conglomeration of company of like countries, but it's even like easier and cheaper in many cases than within the US. So yeah. it seems like it was easier for us to do that kind of roundabout trip than find anything that has less than two layovers from here to Slovenia. So it's like if we're going to be stopping in two places anyway, might as well make them places that we're interested in going to and we'll spend a couple of days kind of checking the area out in. Yeah. Any any thoughts on any of that, Jonathan? Do you have any uh, travel tips for anybody who's new to new to Europe in that regard? You're asking me? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, all right. Um, well, I'm, I'm not much of a, a traveler. Like in the sense I don't go out and hunt for experience. I've never really had the money to do that. Um, I, I will say, though, that given the time of year, uh, the, the France-Italy uh, belt is going to be really, really nice weather. It's not going to be too hot, but it's going to be warm and nice and clear almost all the time. Um, I can also say that within Europe, uh, you don't have to go for air flights. You can actually look at trains. Uh, trains within Europe are remarkably well-functioning, and they are reasonably fast, and they're very, very cheap. Uh, so that might be something to consider. Like if you take a, uh, a flight from the U.S. over to Europe and land like Germany or something, uh, then you, you can essentially take trains from there on. And there's even uh, train cards you can get that gives you like a month of free trains within the entirety of Europe if, you, if you're into the backpacker side of things. Uh, I've planned to do that at some point, but hasn't really happened yet. Oh, well, Europe's not going anywhere. So, <laughs> you know, it's <there's> always... <laughs> maybe, yeah. maybe instead of a conference one year, we can have a BCH pilgrimage where we just go to all of the countries with large amounts of adoption and a group of 100 people. That would actually be super cool. The BCH, like, road trip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would yeah. be so in for that. You would not imagine. Like, that would be crazy. Um but yeah, anyway, <laughs> all this is to say that the entire event is going to be awesome. It's the 14th and 15th, Ljubljana in Slovenia. Go on the website, www.bliss.cash. Make sure you put that www. in there because uh, I haven't quite fixed up the DNS config probably <laughs> on it yet. Uh, get to the site, read up on it, get excited, go to tapswap.cash, buy a Jessica NFT, Book your hotel room. There's a link on the site that explains how to do it. You have to put in a credit card, but you don't have to pay. Like they just need to have that on file. And then when you get there, obviously you can pay in BCH, right? That's the whole point of the event. Uh, so yeah, come along. And yeah. this is my grand 
pitch to everybody because it's been and a when you're work. done, yeah. When when you're done with all that, find your nearest meetup, go there and tell them all about it. Yes, exactly. Post on social media about it. Retweet your Jessica NFT. Um, you know, yeah, get get excited about it because the BCH community. We didn't have an event all of 2023, so I think for 2024. Obviously, we want to have a, a great turnout. And uh, yeah, it's been a ton of work. And so far, it seems like the momentum's already growing in that regard. So uh, really looking forward to meeting a ton of people there as well, too. I already know several people yeah. that I know sort of by a screen name only that have said, yeah, yeah, I'll see you there. So it's going to be awesome. I have three more things I want to say on this topic before we move on to the next one. Yeah, hit uh, me. First, uh, if you're anonymous, uh, go buy your ticket and don't tell us. Just come. We want to meet you. You don't have to. You can give us another name, whatever. You, you don't have to disclose who you are. We don't collect any information. Just come, celebrate with us, be happy. Two, if you're a builder in the space and you have a product or service that you'd like to to show other talk with other people about, uh, reach out to me. Uh, I can give you a discounted ticket. Uh, the only thing you have to you know do do for me to to make up for that. Uh, is is to just show your product to people who walk up to you and say, "Hey, what do you do?" Right? It's, it's very trivial, very easy, and you should be wanting to get more users. So this is a win-win for both of us. Uh, third, uh, if you're someone who has a bunch of money or have a company that uh, you want to market, uh, you can reach out to us and uh, open a dialogue about sponsorships. Uh, we we still have more room uh, in case you wanna like be, be put on the map in that space and be talked about in a room with a lot of BCH oriented people. Yeah. And just on that final note, then that's uh, being talked about, yeah, with all the people there, but also on the live stream. And like I said, because this is the one BCH event of the year, it's very likely that other people in the rest of the crypto ecosystem are going to be paying attention to this, right? They are going to be, mm, what are these guys up to, you know, and that kind of thing. Suddenly you're getting a lot of exposure to a lot of different people that you might not expect both at the time and then also sort of over the next few months, right? Like if I go and look into what's happening in Monero or I look up what's the latest videos from the latest conference or something and get a bit of a sense of what's happening there. So it's, uh, yeah, actually pretty, pretty big opportunity in that sense, I think. Has there been any other Bitcoin conference that have asked you to pay in Bitcoin? I don't know. Well, the BTH yeah. ones always do. I don't know about the BTC ones like they at that last one uh, they I, had, uh, I, <laughs> it was all a fake <laughs> on the bch side i think all the bch conference have been payable in bch yes. <laughs> yeah of course yeah <laughs> on the other ecosystem side the sheer number of conferences is so high that i can't imagine there'd be zero that allowed you to pay with btc but i will say that if you go on uh, youtube and you search for like a Bitcoin rap debate or something like that, you'll find a video where they make fun of BTC for holding conferences where you can't even pay with BTC. Yeah, it's a known thing. It's a known thing, not practicing what they preach. But uh, anyway, here we are leading by example. So yeah, www.bliss.cash, final chill, tapswap.cash, and uh, check it out. See you all there. It's going to be sick. Okay, so the other topic I wanted to hit with you, Jonathan, was scaling BCH 
bull, right? We've had it on this show a bunch of times, especially with Emergent Reasons and with yourself, talking about BCH bull and the growth there has been insane. So maybe you can give us some updated numbers on that. But I was thinking about this last night. I was thinking, why why am I always saying like the same things? Why am I always saying Celine Wallet, BCH Bull, BCH Guru? Like, why does the show keep um, recurring the same things? Because if I watch other crypto podcasts, I watch ETH one, BDC one, some other thing, they've got a new thing that they're shilling every, every month. And I thought, why, what's happening here? Why is that different? And the reason is because our projects are actually real. <laughs> That's what I realized. They have like a new thing. It's got a new batch of VC money. The community's all excited. This is going to be the next thing, blah, blah, blah. And then two months later, that thing has died and everyone's forgotten about it and they've moved on to the next thing, right? So that's why they don't have like every three months, the same people coming back on to be like, oh, and we've kicked off this and this has started working and this is going better and better, right? So I think BCH Bull, we've cataloged quite a lot of the uh, rise of the app as, as time goes on. And I'd love to get the latest update on where it is, obviously, from your point of view, but also some reflections on how that process has changed and improved over time, because we're now seeing a bit of an ecosystem of other apps are starting to spring up, you know, smaller ones. I was thinking of uh, Beach House with Saeed Miller. He was talking to me the other day about that, uh, you know, and these smaller projects are going to try and follow in in the wake of things like BCH Bull and maybe the Bitcoin Cash podcast. So what's the latest on, on BCH Bull? Right. So actually, so I was thinking about that. So the the term that comes to mind when you talk about like how there's new things over and over in other ecosystem is the lack of staying power, right? And I, I know I'm gonna sound like like yawn <laughs> when I say this, but you know the, the best the best way to to move forward is to be successful, right? Success 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 attracts success. And if we want to do good for, for the BCH ecosystem, then building a profitable company is a, a very valuable way to do that because it has staying power. It won't be a end up in the news once and then go away. Instead, it'll be like an ever-ramping thing that grows over time. Uh, and, and that's kind of where where we are. Like If, if you look at the, the history of Enahedge, it's... It started out as a thing that could very well have been one of those things that blows over, right? It took us almost a year to, to get an actual product out because we met so many difficulties along the way with the tooling and the infrastructure and things like that. But after, I would say after the venture with DToken, uh, we we kind of ended up doing everything on our own and, and not have any external parties that we were to to rely on and we might not have done like the absolute best they could be i mean someone else can absolutely do a more trader oriented uh, user interface for the bch pool for example and i welcome anyone who wants to do that would be really happy to see someone take a stab at serving a specific market for that uh but We've taken a middle ground and we made things that work and we tried to make it work for, for all the, the use cases we have. And the story since 
has been remarkable, right? There's been growth after growth after growth. And we we were um, just some week ago when the price hadn't fallen back yet, and we were over $7 million in uh, locked volume, like in, in, in money in contracts that are active. Uh, but if you look at it for for whole time, we're we're creeping up on. I think it's, I think we're not that far off from the three hundred thousand BCH mark, historically, and we have like six hundred plus contracts active right now, and twenty three thousand seven hundred and fifty BCH in, in in lock volume right now, and so we have been growing. Uh, if you look at um, BCH as a, a DeFi chain five years ago, people would just laugh at you. Uh, no, no one would think it's smart enough to actually do smart things. And they were kind of right, like you could do things several years ago, but it wasn't really until um, the the introspection upgrade that we we got a sensible way to do smart contracts on BCH. Um, and now, most recently with cash tokens, we've kind of opened the floodgates. And the thing that is holding um, ho- holding us back as an ecosystem, so to speak, is no longer a technical foundation, but rather um, like go-getting spirit, like people who are willing to go go about and actually do it because you can do things, but just because you can do something doesn't mean that it's like an easy over the weekend thing to do. We're talking about things that involve money. And so there's always going to be a high bar and there's always going to be a lot of edge cases that has to be dealt with uh, in order for it to gain serious traction. Yeah, so I think I'm thinking of it as well, too, from the perspective of both the podcast and Celine. So you mentioned one thing is, you know, take it seriously, like from the start, know that it's going to be a multi-year process, at least in the case that you're successful, right? So you and you're going to have to keep grinding through to to get to that point of view. But also that as things start to get like when you're first starting the the MVP is in some ways the hardest thing. Like like you said, it took over a year to get to that point. How did you know that you were onto something good that people would want? So that, that's a difficult to answer question because I wasn't the one in our group of people that came to that conclusion in the beginning. But they must have uh, solved you one. And you <laughs> name had already figured out that it was going to be valuable. We didn't quite know how valuable it was going to be, and the the uh, the early part was just a matter of like making it work, and then scale it up and and make it be be what it can be. Um, we did after a while figure out that you can measure like volume in competing chains for products that are similar, but you can't do it for products that are the same because there is no product that is the same. Um, and so I think one of the things we set on our um, like internal business documents early on was that we're going to try to achieve 1% of the volume of uh, DYDX on Ethereum. Uh, it's not the largest 
actor in Ethereum, but they had a relatively um, like close comparison in, in what they offered in terms of features. Um, and so we, we looked at them and like, if we can get 1% of their volume, then we, we, we might be able to sustain this and, and be profitable. And I, I think we're past that part, but we're not really at the good part when it comes to profitability because we have opted to have slightly lower fees and, and build volume instead. So we're attractive and we're competitive with the rest of the space um, thanks to that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one thing I think of is when people like are not sure if they're going to have a good idea or not is just look at what people are asking for. Like if you're interested in building something in BCH, hang around in some of the Telegram channels, hang around on Twitter, listen to this show even, or just talk to people at your local meetup. And people have all these small things that they kind of, oh, we need this. We have the famous somebody meme, somebody should do this. And if you look at that, you'll have a bunch of different ideas that people will come up with that you think, okay, people are asking for it. Now, it's important to know that just because people are asking for it doesn't mean they actually want it, right? Sometimes they do, but sometimes they don't. So a classic example of this is that everybody was bitching and moaning, oh, Bitcoin Cash really needs a roadmap. We don't have a roadmap. Nobody knows what's going on in the future, blah, blah, blah. So I did BCH Builders and I did three episodes and I said, anybody can come on with me and talk about a Bitcoin Cash roadmap and we'll make a roadmap and we'll figure out what was done in the past, what could be done in the future, you know, organize things in that regard. And it what it didn't really go very far. Like what what happened yeah. was people stopped asking oh. for a roadmap. <laughs> yeah, so okay. Let me let me let me actually jump into that because that's a very interesting topic. So yes. before we had a roadmap, right? Bitcoin ABC published a document stating where they wanted to go, and everyone else kind of followed along and like, okay, so that's apparently the roadmap. But was that roadmap effective at predicting what was going to happen in the future? The answer is that it's a mixed bag. It, some of the things there got crossed off eventually, but for the upgrades that we did, more than half of all the upgrades was not listed on any roadmap. It's just things that we had the opportunity to do and ended up actually doing. And if we compare back then to today, we actually have more clarity today. We have much more clarity about what's going to happen today because the features that are going to be in an upgrade are ready and are fully coded, specified and whatnot in at least one place more than half a year before the upgrade happens. While... We, we didn't know, like, okay, so we have a roadmap. We have no idea which item on this roadmap is going to be the next one, right? What is going to come the next part? Is that something on this maybe or 50% chance something else? We'll see. Uh, so the roadmap's purpose is probably twofold. One, to provide, like, certainty and stability as to where we're going. Uh, and the other is to uh, have... Have something to bring, build hype around, right? Have something to say, yeah, we're, we're going to do these things. It's going to be great. Something to be maybe proud of and, and similar things. And we're lacking that part today, I think. I don't think we have an outwards, very clear view 
that we can get people on board with and say, yeah, we're going to go do this, right? A vision document. Apart from what we've always said, we're going to be cash. We're going to be money for the world. And most recently, the, the, the like uh, salty and sad attitude in social media around BCA to kind of shifted to, to fun and positive vibes. And I see people more and more taking pride in, in being money part. And so maybe, maybe we don't need that vision document. Maybe it's already there. Yeah, exactly. And that's why I bring this up, right? It's because to make the point that a lot of people were saying that they wanted a roadmap, but then I started uh, making some efforts in that direction. And then what happened is everybody who wanted it didn't contribute and everybody just shut up. So it was actually very easy for me to figure out that that was not a bad idea or that that was yeah. you know not a good idea, that that was not going anywhere. And then you contrast that with Celine, where I knew we need we need some better wallets, right? I think we just definitely need some better wallets. And I started working on it. And even though I wasn't making a big noise about it, I was only just talking to a few people behind it, behind the scenes. Callisti jumped on that and was like, "We def yes, we need this." <laughs> and then yeah. he uh, and I started collaborating, and he put in a ton of effort, and we got the MVP out and so on, right? And so all you have to do is look at what people are asking for or what you yourself think is necessary, start working on it, and then the world will tell you with feedback if it's a good idea. Obviously, you have to have some degree of persistence, but you have to just persist and you'll very clearly see if it starts to get organic traction or not. So that's my greatest advice for starting an MVP on, on any of these Bitcoin Cash projects, right? I have a, a yeah, question. Yeah, go on. Uh, where is a good place to go to to learn about creating smart contracts? Um, I can't point to a single space for that. I know that Matthew has done a bunch of tutorials on how to use tooling that uses tokens. And for, for our own users, when we built Anyhead, there, there was nothing literally nothing on it. Uh, and, and we had to go figure out all the details and, and make transactions and whatnot. Um, you might want to look at, uh, I think it's Unspent Fi. Um, that's a collection of contracts with associated tooling that you can kind of use like examples. You could go to the Cash Group Playground and see if you can find you know, contracts to paste in there and, and try and fiddle around with. Um, you can look at the LibAuth tooling uh, that uh, BitJSONs things and see if you can set up LibAuth templates, contract that way, uh, and use LibAuth's engine to interpret them. Um, of course, you, you can also go straight ahead to documentation.cache and click the opcodes link and just see what the, the language itself supports and just go from the very bottom. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know where, where I should point someone who's who's new to do a single thing. script is probably the best. It's reasonable to assume that the smart contract stuff is all like super low level, right? There's no... Uh, like he, Not really. So That's what script is, it wraps it up and makes it fairly accessible to like JavaScript style programmers. Yeah, so, so CashScript turns a low level thing into a high level thing. So if you are not 
interested in the low-level thing, not confident with the low-level thing, uh, and or don't need the optimizations you can get from actually having full control of the lower levels, uh, then going to cash script and, and working in the higher levels is uh, very much recommended. Um, did, yeah, did that answer. answer your question? Yeah, well, I've got an answer, which is everybody should go to bitcoincashpodcast.com slash code. Or if you just go to bitcoincashpodcast.com, you'll find in the header, there's a link code. Click on that. And I have done a ton of work aggregating all these links. There's literally like about 50 links to different things there, including at the bottom of the page, a BCH developer community with links to all further places you can go to ask questions about where do I find this? How do I build this? What is this? So all those things that have been mentioned, Cash Gripped, the Mr. Zwet's YouTube channel, which Matthew runs, all that stuff, it's all linked from there. And if you just go on there, one thing I would specifically highlight is you can have a look at the BCH uh, Devs and Builders Telegram channel, which is also linked uh, from there under BCH Builders. You just look at that, and then you can ask any questions and get any more info there on on Telegram. But of course, there's tons of links to all the different documentation sites, a lot of the most prominent repositories, and as well being engineers. You know, once you get down the rabbit hole, you poke around and you find your way to to what you need. Yeah, I think I'm at the point now where I want to try and build out the MVP for the uh, 3D printing for token redemption stuff. Um, but it's the where in the hell do I even start with this that I'm like, oof, <laughs> maybe I'm a little right. over my head. So so actually, uh, you start in the, uh, the Telegram for builders or the cash token specific builder groups. Uh, and you ask, does anyone have a smart contract for me that... Uh, consumes tokens, right? Just as an example. Uh, and then you look at that contract and uh, you, you figure out like, what, what do you actually want to do? You want to take a token and you want to burn it, I guess. So it no longer exists. So you take a token and sell it somewhere else later. Uh, and that should be a relatively straightforward contract to make. Uh, you, you're going to end on CashScript. That's the tool in that is a best, the best suit for, suited for the, the task today. And... I would guess that it wouldn't take more than a week for someone who's not at all like at depth in this to to get started at least. Okay. And this is this a week of like you have an hour of free time a day or is this like Yeah, something like okay. that. Okay. That's not bad then. So like if I commit a Sunday to it. Yeah. Okay. It, like if you commit a full day to it you're probably like going to get a headache and be overwhelmed or something. <laughs> but if you take a little here and there, then after a week, you should probably have a, a, quite a good feeling on like what you're doing. You, you probably don't have the the full idea for like the entire infrastructure side, like how are you going to deal with sending and making transactions and what tooling will you use to look at the mempool or how do you talk with a full node and many of those infrastructure parts of it. But the smart contract side of it should hopefully be be reasonably well understood and like okay so this is the kind of solution i'm going for and then it's a matter of like how do i build a website that interacts with in your case uh, a 3d printer yeah in this case i think that that end piece is actually going to be the most difficult thing like the printers i use run clipper clipper already has this web server so it's how do i build a plugin that interfaces with clipper that 
still interacts with these smart contracts and maybe connects to my fulcrum instance or something and i don't know i've got i've got some i think i've some idea of how to get it all together but it's like the actual okay now i need to sit down and put it together yeah yeah one thing i'll I'll just add to that is emergent reasons is saying in the chat the limiting factor is the wallet ecosystem rather than the smart contract ecosystem and i think that of course that is improving right we've had a lot of good stuff with cash connect has come up but cash and i celine zappe petaga they're all getting better all the time so uh just dive in and obviously if things are not up to scratch or you have any difficulties with that then uh, it's the whole point it's open source message those wallet uh people and they'll <laughs> they'll make I'll, I'll disagree i'll definitely okay. disagree um for the use case that jet is describing uh just tell your users to either use uh zap it or cash analysis or something use the wallet connect not the cash connect part uh, because you're effectively only taking tokens for payment, so to speak, and sending tokens isn't a complicated use case. And then the complication isn't on the wallet side for this this uh, tool, and the complication is going to be how do you manage the smart contract on the other end. Uh, yeah, because I also so, want to take into account things like material used, how much material used, cost of that material, and that kind of will help... Uh, determine the redemption cost to get the actual print at the end Uh, yeah well anyway unless it has to be absolutely decentralized then you can set up a cost oracle on your end Um, that's a small small script some some software that's running on your server where you submit the model to be printed and it does the calculations to figure out what material use and time and all the other component parts you want to con- take into oh. consideration for the price. Takes that, the hash of the model, as well as the end price, signs that data, and then gives that signature to your contract. And now your contract can can use that. Okay, that sounds amazing. That is way out of scope like that's like that's improvements beyond it because my thing is like centralization is built in you need to go somewhere to redeem this thing someone has to own the equipment so so i'm fine with centralization for this project it's just the means of payment um and kind of the accessibility that i think uh cash tokens and smart scripting uh improves here thank you both i think these have been great answers and everyone in the chat too this is fantastic (laughs) Well, yeah, this is... Well, uh, imagine what you get if you come to the Bliss Conference then. Yes! (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. That's it. If you want to do a project, buy a Bliss ticket and come along, and then that three days, you'll have your mind just melted with the absolute amount of ideas and encouragement and resources uh, that you need to, to get it going. So it could be an entrepreneurial investment as well there too. All right, the but I wanted to ask as well a little bit more on the so obviously BCH uh, bull and then other projects in the scene. So that's that's how you get started. That's how you get to the very first stage, right? But then once things start to get a bit of traction, you you once you've got a project and you've made something and people are responding to it a little bit, how do you take it? to the next level. And what I'll throw out there is the GP team has been doing a great job with doing the general protocols spaces. And in the same way with Celine, uh, once we had something and it was working a little bit, we opened a telegram group and you kind of get into this phase where the thing works, 
you need to get more eyeballs on it, right? So you've got to go out, you've got to do some social media promotion and you've got to build some hype about it in some creative or interesting way. Is that a deliberate strategy yeah. of what's going on at uh, BCH Bull at the yeah, moment? Th that is a, a very wide and multifaceted problem. So I'm going to break it down a little bit. So what you're talking about at the end here is the, the marketing side of things, like how do you get users? How do you acquire users? And the answer to that is you do whatever any company normally would do, right? A, a crypto-oriented uh, business isn't that different from a, a detergent seller or, or whatever. Uh, I don't you, know many you, detergent sellers with Telegram groups. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, sure, we're we're in a specific ecosystem, and our target audience is to some degree reachable in in different ways than other. But uh, all in all, uh, you do some marketing, you do outreach, um, and and you do anything that gives hype and, and strengthens the public relations. But that is one side of it. There's much more to this question than just that side. Uh, and, and some of these things are very easy to forget. The, uh, the thing I'd like to emphasize first here is that it would be really bad if you have the right idea at the right time, you execute it well, but you fail to consider the cost of success. So imagine you go from like 100 users to 10,000 users, and you have not taken into consideration what that will do to your customer support line. Right? Your customer support cost could go so high that they obliterate all the profits you have, put you in debt, and your company goes under. And so it's important that you consider what, what the thing will look like when successful as you're building towards that success. The other is that if you're doing like programming and, and computer-oriented services, then you're going to go through several phases of um, scalability, right? Uh, because the right way to approach a problem is going to be slightly different depending on the scale you are at at any given time. So when you're really, really small, um, the, the first focus is most often that you're gonna have to have a uh, proof of concept, essentially, you know, make something that works and that's good enough. And then when you go from like 10 users to 100 users, it, it needs to go from a proof of concept to something that has kind of an acceptable user interface and a user experience that are, isn't, isn't half bad. But then as you move not up in user number, but you move up in financial value if you're doing like we do in BCH Ball, you, you, you're going to have to not have a great user experience as the primary part. You're going to have don't lose the people's money as the primary part. The security is going to be paramount. It's going to be the absolutely most important aspect of your entire thing. You can't afford to lose the money of your users. And so that is going to be quite a heavy focus. Then as the scale in both users and value goes up, you're going to find that you either had a lot of experience with building scalable products before, and you thought ahead and you did good scalable 
choices for how to build things, or uh, you did not, and that's not a bad thing. Because not doing that means that you did not fall for premature optimization. It's very easy to believe that the outcome is going to be in a specific way, and then you get a lot of volume, and you're really happy, but it didn't turn out as you expected, and you now have to go back to the drawing board and pay down a ton of cost because you optimized it for something different than what you ended up in. And so as you go up one phase and one scale at a time, you're going to have to do some work on optimizations and improvements to make sure that uh, all the things still still work fine and going to work um, fine moving forward. Does that does that yeah. answer your question? Yeah, I think that's great. I just wanted to get some thoughts out there into the community because we're now at the stage where some smaller projects are moving up to be, you know, sort of medium tier projects, right? And some obviously people are also starting small projects at the same time as well too. So I want the content of the show and the discussions to sort of reflect that because we have to be able to help the community to be thinking in the right direction for each of these stages. And I will say that what you're saying exactly, it matches exactly the same with the with the podcast and with Celine, right? So like with the podcast, the first thing was just getting a couple of people listening. Am I saying something valuable? Then once they were, well, I had to up the quality. I had to get better microphones and videos and, and so forth, right? And then that still is not the world's best, I'm sure, I could get, you know, better lighting and a background like all those YouTubers have with three things on a shelf, you know, <laughs> that show that you're an interesting, quirky person or whatever, right? There's lots that I could do in that regard, but that's not the most important thing at this stage. At this stage, the most important yeah. thing is, you know, building up good quality guests and, and so forth, right? So uh, at each stage, you have different uh, problems. And the same with Celine, right? The first thing was getting it to work. The second thing was a few community members were loving it. Now we've got the Telegram and they have tons of um, feedback. We've added a bunch of scalability improvements, like you were saying. And then the next thing is going to be adding the making the UI from okay to excellent so that it starts catching on with people who aren't specifically already down the rabbit hole of, of Bitcoin Cash, right? So I think those are just examples of how once you get started, the each different stage will require a different skill set. And it's very helpful for people who are somewhere along that journey to hear somebody else's journey. And maybe it inspires something for them like, oh, this is the next thing I need to do, right? Yeah. All right. Wonderful. Uh, Emergent says one, one last thing is don't build for a year in your secret base with no uh, feedback, get something into users' hands ASAP. Keep iterating. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The you've got it. The faster you can get it out there, the better. It's like a, if you're thinking of starting something, your rule of thumb should be, I think, in three hours. Have you got something in three? Like you should be able to sit down, do whatever scrappy thing. It can be as simple as like generate some AI art or make like I've just made a website, switch on my webcam, talk to it and then posted it on YouTube. That was three hours. And then I got to see, does anybody care about this? Right? So if you're spending more than three hours, and you're not having somebody else look at what you've done, you might be in the trap of just making something in your own mind that nobody cares about. Start, yeah. 
yeah, as soon as possible, get it public. Also, never let uh, perfection be the enemy of good. Good yeah. is absolutely where you want to be. Perfect isn't achievable anyway. Uh, so let me let me actually paint a picture for what it would mean to do it wrong, right? So let's say we go back in time and we say that it was you know me and not you who wanted to start this podcast, and I I did not have all these. Uh, wisdoms behind me so maybe i ran a flip starter and i i I got like 100 bch to do this cool thing i go buy really high quality microphones and and video and then i sit down and i plan like five ten episodes i got a good plan for what i'm gonna do and then i do that first recording and it turns out what i have to say is garbage Mm -hmm. and no one wants to listen to me imagine how bad that would be yeah, well, I, I think the community wouldn't fund you with 100 BCH these days uh, for something that you hadn't even started a, a crappy version. But yeah, I mean, and it is true. Even if somebody did do that, they could realize the problem is I'm not saying anything. It's not like having a high quality mic or anything is going to be against like making a quality product. But it's just when you do things the scrappiest possible way, the market itself tells you where the where the bottleneck is like literal users yeah. will say say to you like you need to fix this <laughs> and then you fix it right <laughs> so um you know that's that's really just the the way to do it anyway that's all to say that uh the bch i've had people asking a little bit about some advice uh for entrepreneurs and what they can do to get more involved in the bch ecosystem and to help scale up some of their apps so i thought it was kind of a good time to talk about that uh as well. And speaking of that, we've got the BCH stablecoin and XMR atomic swap. So recently, two really cool projects have been flip started. One was the Cauldron Dex got their uh, project flip started for 450 BCH, I think it was, which is a lot of money. Congratulations to them. And they've announced that I think this is some sort of rebranding or maybe just incorporation or something called it Rifton Labs. And they say that they're going to be making a decentralized stablecoin on BCH, which is BCH-backed, open source, over-collateralized, and censorship-resistant. So that's going to be super interesting, although I think people should be maybe a little bit cautious with stablecoins. But I would much rather that we had native stablecoins built in an open source way in the community rather than having it done by tether or usdc or some you know sketchy operators uh like that and the other thing is uh, 175 bch has been funded into bch xmr atomic swaps uh by mainnet pat and bitcoin cash audist which i'm also really looking forward to so as we can see money is still going into dev in the ecosystem and these are the kind of things that will cook in the background. And then in six to 12 months, you know, we'll start to see some results. And then in 24 months, suddenly we'll have this amazing ecosystem kind of um, not from nowhere, obviously. Right. But in hindsight, it will it will look like that. Are you excited about either of these projects, John? Um yeah, so the cauldron swap on the uh, decentralized exchange parts there. I I don't know how excited I should be because I've never really been much of a trader myself. But if I'm just 
objectively looking at various blockchains and try to find like a determining factor for how successful they are, then on practically every single DeFi-focused chain, then uh, decentralized exchange volume is like the name of the game. And I I know that Digger and, and the people over there, they, they have the, the shops to actually build it. I don't know if they have the shops to market it to make it successful, to make a business out of it and all the other related parts. But we'll get to see that. And I also think that the the budding little cash token ecosystem we have right now would benefit massively from having um, like a, a good decentralized exchange uh, for people to um, move back in, back from, particularly once uh, atomic swaps or wrapped tokens starts becoming a thing and you start you know being able to trade like wrapped ether for some weird cash token or something yeah one of the things i'm excited about with this again is bch xmr atomic swap is it seems like it will meet a really nice uh niche of the two communities right the bch and xmr communities are already fairly well aligned together in terms of their mission and and so forth but the actual community i know there are a lot of people that use both coins but i don't see necessarily the the greatest mixing of ideas between those two communities but if we have this atomic swaps just involving bch and xmr then it solves a problem on each side on the bch side you can now suddenly have uh, even better privacy if we implement that into the wallet so let's say you're in Celine and you just can uh, tap a button and what it does is it puts your flips your BCH into XMR sends it around a couple of times to uh, improve the privacy and then flips it back out again right so then you almost have like a another privacy option as well there or obviously if you want to be buying something with XMR you can also just do it straight out of your wallet with a swap in the middle and then on the XMR side, it might help them out a ton. And I can see them also getting interested in it because they have a lot of problems with getting delisted from exchanges and so forth, right? So if they are able then to just uh, send do that with BCH and then uh, get into the onboard into the XMR you know, ecosystem that way as well too, I can see that just being a win-win for everyone. So I'm super excited about that. So I don't know how well the Monero chain is at the um, decentralized finance game. Uh, my understanding is that whenever you build uh, unconditional privacy, uh, you can't have it easily paired with like unlimited programmability. And so, yes, having atomic swaps between Monero and BCH will let the people in Monero access the decentralized finance side. And so, when they can't go to a regular exchange to, to trade their tokens, uh, they could swap over and then use a decentralized uh, marketplace on our side instead. And that's probably nifty. I don't know if they have this option to other chains already or if it's possible to do to other chains, uh, but it's definitely something that increases the like freedom and liberty of the users. And so I'm all for it. Let the users decide what is valuable and works for them. Yeah, I think as far as I know, there is already a BTC version of this, but I don't think it's very well used or it has a lot of problems. That's just vaguely in the back of my mind. What would the the Monero people actually gain from 
doing an atomic swap over to BTC. <laughs> that's I, right. I, <laughs> <it's> <laughs> that's why they all hate it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if, if the if the goal was to go to an exchange, sell their XMR and buy BTC, if that was the thing they wanted to do, then of course using an atomic swap to get the same thing done without a middleman is great. Uh, but other than that, the the BTC chain would give them like overpriced ordinals and inconsistent like inconsistent fees and mempool hell. I, I I don't see the value of going from XMR to to BTC. Yes. Well, anyway, hopefully we can be competing and providing them a, a better option. So on this on this topic of uh, development that we uh, mentioned here, so. Community comment of this of the week comes from imaginary username. So uh, recently in the Bitcoin Cash podcast, Telegram Gravy Maker wrote, I wrote this a bit ago. Now I can add that devs theoretically should hold the coin so they're incentivized to develop rationally to increase their wealth. The final incentive piece to complete the loop. So this was following some discussion about what draws people into cryptocurrency and why they get excited about building, you know, at all or on a particular chain. An imaginary did, username. Did, didn't we just say that demand-driven development is a great thing? Right. I don't know. The market gives you information. It signals to you what is valuable and what is not. Yes. Yeah. Do you really want your devs to not have that information and build nilly willy whatever direction they want, <laughs> completely unrelated to your users' desires? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, you don't. But they've got to start somewhere, right? They start, uh, they start cracking on with with something, and then like you got to start somewhere, and you you don't start out with a lot of feedback or a lot of reach to get that feedback either, as well. Anyway, so imaginary username said uh, in response to this, which just made me laugh. Quote. It doesn't matter what any of us think should happen. There's a general shortage of good devs, and we would be lucky to get more no matter what the motivation is. If the motivation is a talking piece of soggy bread asking him to do so in his dreams, so be it, end quote. So I just love this whole idea that people would be having delusions of soggy bread <laughs> explaining that to bch but it does get to the point of why did why do devs do what they do right and there's obviously a few different things they say motivation mastery and money are the uh, what's it called mastery uh meaning and money are the are the three things right so obviously if we grow economically if the bch price is going up that will bring in devs but we can also get it with mastery and meaning if we can offer them cool technical stuff to play with devs are interested in that and they'll they'll come in which is why it's so great to see cash tokens ecosystem and all the tooling that is going on there and then the third one is meaning and so that's about us having a strong vision of p2p cash like lots of the devs in the ecosystem are obviously they love that mission so they come here to be a part of that so it doesn't always have to be about money uh especially in terms of open source software development most often open source devs are underpaid compared to what they could get you know working for some soul crushing corporation but there's a reason they call it a soul crushing corporation <laughs> right what do you think about this jonathan how do we get more more devs involved in the bch ecosystem look uh, i said it before i said it again success attracts success it's, it's that simple um Money is a great tool to make people do things they don't want, right? Don't don't go that route as your primary driver. And instead, do what you want to do 
and be successful at doing what you want to do. And it's actually much easier to be successful when you're doing what you want to do than what you're doing what someone else's money incites you to do. Yeah, absolutely. So come to the Bliss Conference. Ask yourself, <laughs> hey, what can I do? Listen to what we say, and then go ahead and do whatever you want to do. Yes, yes. Shout out, uh, Bliss. I don't know if you've heard, but it's this upcoming conference it's going to be absolutely mega 14th to 15th of may <laughs> www.list.cash <laughs> right uh one thing i i also heard you say recently which struck me a lot i think it was on the general protocols spaces was you said you had a realization that it's very important not only how we talk to outsiders but how we talk to each other and i thought that was a really interesting thing for the bitcoin cash community to reflect on because I myself am trying to add a bit of a change. I've talked about it a bit on the show before where I'm going to do a lot less uh, arguing with other chains. I think we're at the point now where they all know we're here. They all know we're here to play. They all know we're not pushovers. That's that's done. And it's now time to start focusing in on the BCH ecosystem and increasing the collaboration and cooperation within, within the scene itself. And that will drag in outsiders to be a part of it but expand for me a little bit what what did you mean about how we talk to each other and how can we raise the bar in that regards so if we go back many years and we look at what's being said on for example reddit you will see that there is a lot of people who smack down and talk bad about the lightning network and I'd argue they're all right, right? Let's just get that away. They're probably all right. But they are spending their time talking about the Lightning Network. They're not talking about where they want to go. And because they say the same things, they end up like patting each other's back and saying, yeah, I believe in you. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And you get this kind of self-reinforced cycle, a positive confirmation and you're getting it for the wrong thing, right? Bunking on Lightning isn't going to make anything significantly better. Like you might get a few people who are already on the edge to come over, but we don't need a few people. We need 10 billion people, right? And we're not going to get 10 billion people by talking bad about Lightning. And to get 10 million people, we need to talk good about the things we want to do on our own part. And the first step to actually be able to get the reach needed for those ideas is to talk good to the people you you have in your own circles, right? So I, I found myself not 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 too long ago, just a couple a week or so ago. I talked with a friend on the phone. I don't talk with that often, and he kind of wanted to know like what, what what's going on in the ecosystem, and and so I tried to recap the news, what's been going on lately, and. At some point, I noticed that, hey, I'm, I'm talking a whole lot about how bad things are with stupid priced ordinals and big mempools and whatnot. I'm like, why? Why do I care? Right? Others' misfortune isn't my success. And I want success. I don't want to dwell on others' misfortune. And I like, decided that, no, you know what? We, we've already gone through this. Right? We, this happens every cycle. I'm through. I don't want to talk about this anymore. You can ask me a technical question that give you a technical answer. But if you want to know what's going on and what's good in the ecosystem, then I'm just going to talk about the things I actually do care about. So uh, instead, I started talking about like the Bliss Conference. So. 
that's yeah that's it the easiest thing to do is start building and then once you're once you're building you're always going to have something to talk to talk about because you can uh shill that whenever anyone asks and i think it's yeah it's really important that just in general as a as a community we try and be more internally focused i was talking on general yeah. protocols spaces yesterday about it, it all, go on it also reminded me quite starkly uh about how i felt about bitcoin back in like 2013 2014 almost all of the discussion i had almost every single meetup we were talking about what could bitcoin do what future could be ahead of us and like how great could that be and bitcoin yeah. grew to become important i imagine if i sat there and talked about how bad fiat was going to be every day every time people would stop come to the meetings you know that's yeah, yeah. fun so yeah, even among the people where you're in, a, in your own circles and you already know that they share your ideas and values, might help you to do some retrospection and look at like, what should I actually talk with to the people? Do I need to do that? Can can I go in a more positive manner, close to me first, and then let that that spread over time? Yeah, and other people pay attention from outside as well too, especially with things like Twitter or anywhere else. If you're even even just in a conversation that you're having in person with somebody, you know, other people listen, like they will pick up on the tone and the vibe of that discussion. And if you're being positive and forward looking, then then they'll be more more interested in being involved. Right. So. Um, True. But we've already said that a couple of times before. You've said so in several podcasts before. So I'm just talking. About I think like, it's what yeah. did I mean when I said, yeah, it matters how we talk to each other. Oh, that's what I mean. I mean, if I start changing how I talk to my own friends, then hopefully they start talking differently. And eventually, when you get to the edges of my social circles, what comes across those edges are now positive things rather than, yes. you know, let's bunk on lightning. Yes, yes, yes. Very, very important. And like you said, we, we have said it a few times on the show, but I think we've got to keep reiterating that that message until I can see that. And it's, there's already been a huge improvement, but I still think the community has more work to do there, <laughs> including myself. So, uh, yeah, that's why that's why I keep bringing it up. Okay, we've got a couple of things of news that are going on in the crypto space. We don't need to do a topic about each of these, but I thought just a couple of uh, announcements that I uh, put out there for people who are deep down the rabbit hole or want to know what else is going on. So the first thing is, the BCH Gurus Wave 3 will start minting on TapSwap on the 25th of January. So for anybody who's excited about BCH Gurus project, uh, which we've been following this whole time, their beta is still going strong. They still have, I think, about 600k Guru uh, locked. Uh, so there's still lots of action going on there and they're releasing more music and so forth. So great work by that team. Really good to see that got taproot wizards made an announcement of quantum cats which is their nft project that will also be minting on the 29th of january now they have chosen a mint price of 0.1 btc or 4200 us dollars roughly to buy one of these jpegs this might be the most expensive why, why uh, didn't we do quantum jessica's and sold them at that price it would have been rich <laughs> yes <laughs> yes um but so that means they've got three thousand uh of them as well so it will be 12.5 million dollars if they somehow manage to 
mint this out. I don't know whether that's like I almost just respect the the balls to to sell a JPEG for four thousand two hundred dollars. Um, but yeah, going back to what we we're saying before, no, you know, I'm not here to dunk on them or anything. But I think it's just interesting. It will be very interesting to see how this plays out because if they maybe they do, maybe they're right, maybe they get a ton of sales and maybe things go really well or maybe they don't, but seeing as they took an investment round a little while ago, it seems like they're really starting to think, you know, when you get given millions of dollars in investment, then you need to find a way to make millions of dollars of money. So that should be sort of interesting. And then the third thing is um, Donald Trump has recently been out there saying he won't allow or he'll stop the creation of or whatever of CBDCs in America in the lead up to the elections later on this year and i think this is also a bit of a turning point because it just goes to show how you know year after year and election after election being pro crypto and being even now anti cbdc's like that just goes to show how mainstream this conversation is becoming that a lot of people might not necessarily be all the fans of bitcoin but if they're you know cheering and screaming for anti cbdc's then i think that there is at least some sign that the world is moving in our favor, right? And all this work we're doing, trying to educate people and discuss is, yeah. is having a positive impact. So yeah, do you have any thoughts on any of these? Oh yeah, the, the politics side I have thoughts on. Um, not not too long ago, uh, Javier Mille, uh killed off a large chunk of his government, repealed like, what is 300,000 lines of law code and whatnot. And um after having seen that, I kind of look at all other politicians and say, hey, you don't meet the bar anymore. You're not interesting. Come back to me when you can offer like a 50% reduction in state size. Yeah, setting the bar higher and higher. What do you think about CBDCs and stuff like that? Uh, repealing laws, CBDCs, uh, the importance of even like privacy or pushing back on censorship, becoming more mainstream political talking points are, are we winning is that what this you know is that a sign that we're we're having some impact with this whole crypto thing we're having impact absolutely uh i wouldn't say we're winning yet um just because trump is you know, vocally against cbdc's doesn't mean you won't get a cbdc uh, it just means that whatever comes is going to have a different name uh <laughs> yes. it's going to have a slight <laughs> different thing, and it's going to happen like on Christmas Eve when you're not looking. Yes. Um, saying you're against something is not the same as reducing the size of your state by a third. Show me you reducing the size of your state by a third, and then we're talking. All right. Yes. Uh, actions speak louder than words. Definitely can uh, agree, <laughs> agree with that. I just, yeah, I I just think the fact that it's even because, even uh, like you say, there will probably be some effort to change the name if it becomes too uh, entrenched. But I just think that people being aware of CBDCs, like four years ago, no, that was not a thing. Nobody knew about that or was discussing that, even two years ago, maybe. But now if it's being talked about in a US election, that, that you know, I've got my little resist CBDC mug right here. I'm just, I'm just, I'm yeah. just glad that we're getting that on the radar. Right. Right. We're definitely impact and we're definitely uh, making it so that those who want to fish votes and those who want to be popular have to address these things in order to become popular. 
Yes. But yeah, I've I've seen too many elections where they say one thing and then they make a small attempt at that, they maybe succeed, maybe they don't, and then they spend like 90% of the rest of their elected period to doing the things they didn't talk about. Uh, I have yeah. never in my life seen uh, a political company or political party get voted in on a specific issue and executed on that issue to you know close to perfection and then said, I've done what my mandate tells me to do. I'm going to step back and you can tell me by the next time when you vote what I'm supposed to be doing because I only have mandate for the thing you voted me in for. I've never seen yeah. anyone do that. Yeah, no, neither have I. And I think there are there is a mix of factors in there, obviously. As soon as you get into power, you suddenly discover that you're subject to all the machinations of, of what goes on and maybe the reality of implementing changes is different than the you know idea, the ideology from the start. That's not to excuse how flaky and Absolutely. terrible the politicians are, but that's it's a it's balance. perfectly fine to accept that, hey, this was harder than I thought, or I can't do this because of that reason or that one. It's perfectly fine to 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 fail when you're trying and give it an honest attempt. But that's not what I've seen growing up in my 40-ish years. Uh, what I've seen is uh, there's a vote and you go out and talk about whatever subject is fitting on the lead up to that vote. And apparently today it's about CBDCs. But whatever that subject might be, uh, chances are you'll spend more than 90% of your energy doing something that you didn't talk about rather than the thing you did talk about. So yeah, maybe I'm just... No. Stay skeptical. <laughs> yes. I highly endorse that. Okay, we've got meme of the week. Uh, this one, just I found it on the interwebs. It made me laugh. It's a screenshot, which I don't know if this is real. It's probably just completely fabricated, but I thought it was funny anyway. It's a screenshot of some text messages from Kate. And on the 17th of February, 2011, Kate says, you're an asshole, John. Other guys are starting their own business and you're just messing around with some weird Bitcoin thing. You seriously think you're smarter than them. We need to break up. There's no future staying with somebody like you. And then there's no reply until the 27th of November, 2017, where it says, hi, John, how are you? Question mark. <laughs> so again, this is probably completely fabricated. This likely did not actually happen. But I just thought it was interesting to reflect on. Sometimes when time goes on, and you get vindicated the the best way is to have just moved on right and uh i guess everybody has that little part of their mind that always i i was right the whole time you know people really want to hang on to that i definitely <laughs> do myself but sometimes the best thing you can do is just just let it go and let them come to understand you are right in their own time i don't know does this ring a bell with you or not really i mean Every time we've had a bull market, I, I've seen these kind of stories pop up. And some of them are probably true. Some of them are probably just funny memes. But at, at the end of it all, um, you, you got a question like, what, what kind of relationship were you in when you started that led to that kind of dialogue? It's just yes. my way of seeing it. Yes, yes. Okay, well, maybe some other time we'll do the, the Bitcoin Cash uh, podcast, you know, 
gold digger episode. <laughs> Get like user call-ins or something. Start handing out advice. <laughs> I don't know that I would be the best person for that. <laughs> you know, maybe uh maybe we can find some expert in uh crypto relationships. Some of that surely that's a niche. Surely somebody needs to brand themselves as the crypto relationship expert. That's that's wide open for some uh viral uh you know, controversy, staring, uh, outrage, marketing. I, I don't know why somebody isn't already doing that. Like anything, like uh, anything, like you can take any concept, throw crypto in front of it. Someone's going to be doing it. But every time it turns out cringy. Like, yeah. Can, can we have a good crypto something? Like a cool. Well, I saw somebody complaining about crypto music just earlier today they were like why is there no good crypto music like why is it all crap and cringe i do feel like low index was the first to like make something yeah that was like holy shit <laughs> like i can hear people just listening to this if you go into the comments there's a bunch of people that have no idea what bitcoin cash is that blast that song so up your game rest of the world yeah. Get get your act together. When Trump NFTs on cash tokens, that's Bitcoin Cash TV. Good question. Exactly. This is why he was out there shilling CBDCs because Trump is doing ordinals now. He's he's on that hype train. He's issuing uh, ordinals for anybody who doesn't know. So or I guess he's not doing it. He probably doesn't even know what's happening. But someone somewhere in his marketing machine uh, is making it happen. So yeah, crypto really, really mainstream at this point. Okay. Message to the community. Jonathan, what does the Bitcoin Cash community need to hear? Oh, uh, you can do it. Uh, just, just man up, start working, get something done, go out there, meet people, have fun. Simple. All right. Simple. That, Doesn't you need can to be do harder than that. Just do it. Love it. Just do it, Nike. Uh, okay. All right. So, <laughs> supporter appreciation. <laughs> Thank you to our donators. As always, you're the absolute best. Thank you to our patrons, Ricky, HP, and Digital Checo. Thank you to our sponsor, General Protocols. Check out bchbull.com. And thank you to our Flipstarter contributors for episodes 96 to 105, Majamali, Marcelo, Molecular, Shadow of Harbinger, Turek, Emergent Reasons, Imaginary Username, Cheapy Cheap Landing, Pat, Mini Satoshi, and Sandakersman. Marius, this episode does complete this flip starter so we'll see about running another one soon i guess for the next 10 episodes i will say that i've made some efforts on the a fifth of gaming stuff that i promised but i haven't done absolutely as much as i would have liked on that on that front uh i will keep working away on it but uh there's more to be done there and that a lot of my effort has instead gone into bliss which i hope the contributors in the bch community can accept as somewhat of a uh, replacement in that regard i also will be doing a video that i've uh, promised to marcelo where i do a breakdown of sunrise and what all the lyrics are and what it all means and what's in the video clip and all of that uh for this for this flip starter I've just been so mega busy that I haven't got around to it yet, but it's on the to-do list. Okay, so final shout-outs then for the show. Thank you, everybody, for watching Start Guide FAQs, links at bitcoincashpodcast.com, especially if you're a dev, you need some more uh, stuff to get involved in. It's all listed there. Check out episode 85 if you're new to the show. 
and try out Celine Wallet at Celine.cash. Jonathan, final shout out. Oh, I just did my shout out. It's fine. Okay. <laughs> All right. Of it's kind of the okay, same. Okay, already the same thing. Same thing. Okay, just do it. www.bliss.cash and tapswap.cash. Get involved in that. Jed, do you have any shout outs? Uh, everyone that goes to the conference. I'll see you there. Yeah. All right. Nice. That's going to be my shout out as well too. If you've already bought a Jessica NFT, then my shout out is to you. And if you haven't bought one, well, hurry up and go do it because uh, I want to see you there and it'll be great. Okay. Thank you everybody for listening. Till next time. So I started realizing that if you can just find strength just a little bit longer, you will have a crew of people following you along the way. And that is another thing that no one can ever teach you. Because you, you're going to have to learn that on your own. You're going to have to figure out how to pull that energy out of your mind on your own. It's not 